right, it's Sean Alley, Jason Rambo back with the dead pair. Uh, just finished up our first podcast. Jason, what do you think? Um, I don't know. I'm waiting to hear what everybody else thinks. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was just at least good to get it off our shoulders and, and uh, out there. So now we're moving on to episode two. Yeah, welcome, everybody. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about traveling today, Sean. Yeah, uh, if you're a shooter, uh, whether you're going to local tournaments or going out of state or flying across country, there's a lot of things you need to know when you travel to shoots. Well, it just so happens that uh, we're going to have a couple guests here that might help us later on in the episode. But first of all, let's talk about traveling locally, okay? Yeah. Um, the, the flying, that go, that gets into a whole other segue. But, you know, when you're, when you're going to your local club, a lot of guys, <laughs> the old days of having the shotgun rack in the back window of your pickup truck have kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. And these guns, especially when you start getting into competition guns, get pretty expensive. Yeah, and you want to take care of them. I mean, you definitely want to de- use a decent case. Um, you want to bring cleaning oil, maybe some spare parts, maybe some spare uh, firing pins. Uh, not always, but especially if you're traveling, you know, two, three, four hours away or even across state, it never hurts to have some extra parts and extra gear on hand well i think that's true especially when you get into your automatics you know i mean i absolutely i still love my old automatic i mean i shot 1187 for years i still love that old gun Mm -hmm. but it's gonna break down okay it's got more moving parts you're gonna have to work on it you need to know your gun you need to know what parts you're gonna need if it does break down in the middle of a round and we've been out to several shoots where we've seen exactly that we've seen a guy's gun come apart or a firing pin stop working or you know Ejector stop working. I mean, there's a number of things that'll happen, and uh, especially the more you shoot a gun and the older it is, it's just the nature of the beast. Right, right. And as people progress in the sport, they're they're going to find this out. You know, you, you get what you pay for. I think. You know, and when Absolutely. you step into the higher end guns, um, pick your favorite name brand. You're going to get a gun that's going to last. You're going to get a gun that's not going to break down on you when you're in the middle of a competition. Right. But for the average guy, let's back up here. For the average guy, he's going to go shoot around with his buddies for the weekend. He's got his favorite shotgun. Okay, he's going to put it in a decent case. Needs to make sure he has, you know, all the safety equipment stuff with him. But there's little things, too. You know, like myself, I wear prescription glasses, unfortunately. Um, I'm about as blind as a bat. But the biggest thing for me is lens cleaning wipes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people think, well, I don't have prescription glasses. It doesn't matter. You still have to shoot with a pair of safety glasses. So whether you have a $900 set of Pila's or if you have a $20 set of, you know, pick your favorite name brand safety glasses, they're going to get dirty. I mean, there's dust out on a course, you know, you, you need something to clean them with. Definitely don't, ever dry wipe a lens you know you need to have something wet i use a really wet lens cleaning cloth or throwaways you can get a box of them at i think my wife picked up a box of them at walmart they're actually zeiss brand for ten dollars and i think there was 200 wipes in there yeah absolutely i mean when it's hot outside you're going to be sweating you could get sweat drops on your lenses you need to clean those off it could be raining you can need to be able to dry your lenses uh when it's raining it could be snowing it could be cold outside and your lenses are fogging up. So sometimes you need those wipes that prevent the fog from building up on your lenses as well. That's right. And then what comes with that is a good set of ear protection. You know, um, I, I myself use the foam twisties. I like them because I can get them cheap. I can get a big box of them for 20 bucks and there's a thousand of them in there. But make sure it's, it, it's going to protect you at the right decibel level. Now, 
Right. We're going to have a special guest on in a future episode that talks a lot about hearing. But for right now, you know, make sure you got a good pair of earmuffs or a good pair of the foam twisties and make sure they're they're in properly and you have spares. Here we go again. We're talking about traveling to the range. So this is this is part of your your toolkit that you need to take with you. Yeah, and it's always a good idea. You know, you go out there with a pair of earplugs and lo and behold one falls out or you're messing with it to talk to somebody it falls in the mud and I'm not putting that back in my ear. So <laughs> right. having a couple extras is never a bad idea. Right. And you know, Bill Elliott went into this one of the articles he wrote for Clay Target magazine um you know, what's in your bag. And this is important stuff to, to think about. You know, yeah. um, we're trying to reach out there to that new shooter. So he doesn't know what to expect. Yeah. A lot of people that are competition shooters like you and I, this is redundant. It's like, really, you guys are talking about this, but this is important. Yeah. And we've also learned along the way. I mean, we started shooting registered targets back in 2017. Here we are three, four years later, we've learned what to bring. I mean, I, I typically wear a shooting vest uh, only in the cooler weather. Uh, in the summertime, I wear a shell bag because I think it's a lot uh, lot more, um, or a lot less restrictive and a lot, lot less hot. I always wear a towel, so that way I can wipe my hands and forehead and eyes if it's, if it's hot outside. Or if it's raining, I can wipe the gun down. Um, I've always got you know some chokes in my pocket if I need to make a choke selection change at the station. Uh, and, you know, other than that, you know, glasses, hearing protection, um, not a lot, but, uh, and, oh, and, you know, and here's another thing. Bring some of the dumb things that you wouldn't think about. Sunscreen, chapstick. Bug uh, spray. Bug spray could be helpful. Um, so, you know, just whatever your conditions are at the time of year where you're located, think about the things that you're going to use because you're going to be outside for several hours and you need to be able to withstand the elements. And here's one for you. How many times have you seen this? A guy doesn't have enough shells. Oh, man. Now, you think this is a silly thing to bring up, but I've seen it happen a hundred times. The guy shows up. He's got four boxes of shells. He says, I'm shooting a 100-bird course. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what about that thrower that didn't throw one that's pair over? Mm -hmm. Or what about your buddies that talk into a warm-up before you shoot? Now, all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're two, three boxes of shells down from what you need. And then, you know, a lot of the courses that we go to provide shells. You can buy shells there. Sure. But there's sometimes that maybe they may not have the shell that you want to use, right. you know, or maybe it's more expensive than when you buy it. So bring plenty of ammo. And besides that, this thing, this this whole game's fun. You know, what? what's to say you don't go ahead and shoot your hunter bird course and the guys want to go shoot a five stand yeah. or a fee task or something, you know. So bring plenty of shells. So, okay, to recap, we've got shells. we got lens cleaning wipes. We have our safety glasses. We have our earplugs. Uh, you know, you brought up sunscreen. That's a good point. I've seen guys cook out on the course. Yep. Uh, bug spray. We shoot a lot in the woods, and yep. I've seen people getting eat up. This is something goofy. Not a lot of people talk about, but medication. If you're on any kind of medication, you know, whether it be diabetes or you have a medical condition where you have to take medicine two, three times a day, we've been out on tournaments that got held up for some reason, not to anybody's fault. You know, maybe a machine breakdown or maybe lightning came up and they stopped the course for an hour or two. And then the people that didn't plan on that don't have their medication with them. And I've seen people really struggle. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a guy that struggles with a, a bad right ankle from too many years of football use and abuse. And I usually have to eat some ibuprofen or some Advil out on the course if I'm going to be out there for a while walking around. And, uh, you know, it's never fun to be out there in pain. Yeah. And then – like our one buddy, no names mentioned, he's always got his umbrella with him. 
You yeah, know? yeah. There's no rain in the forecast for five days, but he's always got his umbrella, and I've always made fun of him until one day it actually happened. Yeah, and uh, he showed us all up on that one, but <laughs> I guess it's better to be prepared than not. Yeah, absolutely. You can't take too much. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, go dragging a, you know, snap-on toolbox behind you everywhere you go, but let's, you know, use some common sense here. Yeah, the basics. Gun oil, maybe a little bit of hops, um, a couple rags, um, maybe even a brush if you need to clean something out or whatever. But just bring what you think you're going to need for a few hours out there, and uh, you just never know. It might save your bacon. Right. And then if you're going to be out there for a while, one thing that people don't think about either is getting a little something to eat, you know, uh, oh, yeah. whether that's a Snickers bar in your bag or whatever. You know, keep your sugar up. Keep uh, keep yourself going. Yeah, definitely. And also, let's not forget about hydrating. I mean, a lot of the courses uh, during tournaments will provide water to drink uh, if it's hot enough outside. Some do, some don't. This year has been the year of COVID, and a lot of that's been a little sketchy at some of the tournaments where they had coolers at the stations and only the the puller, the trapper, could give you water. You weren't allowed to reach into the cooler. Other people have had it on golf carts, and they're doing the rounds. But there's nothing worse than being out there, and it's 90 degrees, and you're wanting to drink, and you've got nothing to drink. Yeah, that's one thing I didn't want to talk about. I think everybody's tired of talking about COVID, but <laughs> the reality of it is, is it's facing all of us. Um, you know, different states have different restrictions, and you know, maybe having an extra mask in case yours comes off and hits the ground. You know, if it's required. I mean, I know where we shoot. We don't shoot with masks on, but um, if you're going to be close to people, some some places are real sticklers about it. Yeah, and most of them ask you to wear it when you go in the clubhouse. I mean, if you're outdoors, I, I think the risk is probably minimalized, especially with what we do and how far we're spaced apart. But, you know, it's the time and the age we're living in, so it's best to respect everybody's wishes and uh, do your part to keep everybody safe. All right, well, we had a lot of fun there at the night shoot at Pilgrim's, or, well, the Pilgrim's night shoot at Cardinal Shooting Center. Uh, And we are in November, so things are starting to wind down. But I did uh, just get an email the other day that uh, C4 up in, uh, what is that, Madison, or um, what part of Ohio is that? It's not Mentor. Anyways, it's it's northeast Ohio, northeast of Cleveland. Madison. Uh, Madison. Okay, all right, whatever. C4 is having a, a pre-Thanksgiving tournament on uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So uh, hopefully a few people will go up there. Just kind of, for me, it depends on the weather because it can be cold up there. Well, north. you know what? What's that? I hope you got your heated underwear. <laughs> Why? I am headed south. I'm going to go compete at the Florida State Championship at Blackjack. Oh, geez. Well, color me jealous then. Yes. Gee, many Christmas. But I do have a question about that. Yeah. You can help me with, maybe. I've never traveled with a shotgun. Hmm. I have no idea what to expect at the airport. Well, I had the privilege earlier this year. uh, A buddy of mine, J.D., and I flew down and shot the Father's Day tournament at Quail Creek in Florida. Uh, And I had my first experience traveling with my shotgun. I would kind of debated a few things about what to do whether I was going to bring a a cheap backup gun just in case something happened. And I kind of talked myself out of it because I was like, well, I shoot with my, you know, DT 11 and I'm used to that. And that's what I want to, I want to do well with it. So I decided to bring that with me and I was a little anxious because, you know, you, you don't want to lose that gun or have something happen to it in transit. Right. Uh, and, And it, it was kind of weird. I mean, I, I'm not gonna say what airline I flew or whatever, but I left out of Columbus and flew down to Florida Really didn't have any problems. It wasn't as invasive as I thought it was going to be. They checked the gun out, packed the gun, sent it through the x-ray machine. 
Um, and then it, I assume it was loaded on the plane. When I got down there, I was thinking that like a TSA officer or something was going to bring the gun out to me. It actually came out on the, the regular luggage carousel with everybody else's check bags. So that kind of freaked me out. I was glad I was right there. Um, and we grabbed it and my buddy picked us up from the airport, and went to his house and, you know, stayed there for a few days, did the tournament on the way back. Um, they were a little more invasive. They really asked me some questions and, you know, check the bag really good, make sure there wasn't any ammo or anything on there. It wasn't supposed to be. And then they took it in the back room and locked it up. And I assumed everything went well. When I arrived in Columbus, I was kind of not sure if, again, if a TSA agent was going to bring the gun out or if I was going to get it on the conveyor belt, like I did in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I was waiting by the conveyor belt. Didn't see anybody coming out. The, uh, I flew out of uh, Rickenbacker, which is a very small airport. Um, and it kind of got me nervous there because we're getting down to the end of the last couple bags coming out and I didn't see my gun. I'm like, Oh man, what the heck's happened? So I found somebody at the counter. I asked a TSA agent, Hey, would they have taken my gun back and checked it somewhere? Well, long story short, I was there for almost an hour and, wow. and I'm freaking out because I'm thinking, man, did they put the gun on the wrong plane? Cause there was a plane that left for Cincinnati like 20 minutes before mine. I mean, we're calling around all these airports, this poor woman behind the counter is really trying to help me out. And she could see I was pretty stressed out. Right. Um, but to end the story, luckily one of the baggage handlers came in from outside and, said, uh, hey, Mary, you know, uh, what are you doing, still doing here? And the lady was like, well, this young, uh, this guy right here is waiting, is looking for his gun, and it, it didn't show up. And he's like, well, what did the case look like? And I said, you know, it's a silver case with a Beretta thing on the side of it. And he goes, oh, I, I saw that. I unloaded that. And um, basically, uh, he went back and figured out where it was. I don't know if they'd set it aside on accident. I don't know if, they, if uh, somebody intended to do something a little more nefarious with it. But it definitely... Got me thinking that the next time I go, I'm going to take some additional steps to make sure things are are uh, well, go, you know, going more smoothly. I, I think I got just the right person to help us out with that. Oh, yeah? He's a five-time world and two-time national BMX champion, a two-time California FETAS state champion, the 2019 California Sporting Clays champ, a former PSCA pro, and a guy that I am glad to say is my friend, Rad Chad Roberts. What's up, Chad? Oh, sorry. I was on mute. My bad. I was trying to stay quiet on you guys. How are you guys today? <laughs> Good. How's it going, Chad? <laughs> Good. Uh, bad in- intro, but yes, this is me. I'm here. I, I was listening to you guys intently. Um, bad intro you- on my part or your part? <laughs> uh, no, I- <laughs> you know me. I'm always talking in the background or have a dog barking or something, so I had it on mute. Well, so. you know, that $20 you sent me to bring you in with all that, I figured you'd appreciate that intro. So <laughs> Did you get the inter- Did you get the $10 interest? No, I'm, s- I'm still checking the mailbox for that. <laughs> hey, Chad, um, I know you just recently went to the Nationals. How'd that go for you? Um, it was good, you know. Um, I shot in the 90s all weekend for the most part um, in all the side events. Um, it's just that everybody in the top 10, 15 are just really shooting well. Um, I thought I was I was there because I've been winning some local stuff um, recently and shooting some really good scores out here out west. And the targets were um, considerably harder than I've been shooting here. So I thought it would be right up my alley to be able to compete with everybody. And plus uh, I haven't stopped shooting really even through the COVID thing. So um, I've been practicing all my Atlas traps and, and just uh, doing my thing and uh, trying to try to keep going. And it just didn't work out, but um, you know, for me, it was uh, that event is turned into kind of like a trade show for myself. Um, Gotcha. You know, I get to spend a lot of time with all my others and help them out and uh discuss moving you know things moving forward and 
where we're at and how we did for the year. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like a good place just to kind of wrap up the season and, and, uh, you know, see all the friends one last time. <laughs> However, we're going to see everybody one more time <laughs> down in Florida, but, um, yeah, it was interesting. You know, a lot of people were there, but not a lot of the fun nightly, uh, events were going on. So, I found myself uh, drinking alone one of the nights with just a friend of mine wow. <laughs> and one of my sponsors, and yeah. we were the only ones on uh, on site. Everybody was gone, so it was pretty, pretty, pretty weird at night. But uh, you know, it's the nationals. I loved everything else about it. We so. had a we had a friend go down there and compete, and he said, you know, I asked him how the event was. He said the event was great. Everything else was stale. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, nobody hung around after the shoot. There was no big ceremonies. There was no big dinner. And you know, it, thanks to the Chinese lung herpes disease, we all have to deal with that in some way, shape or form. But, um, as far as the competition goes, you know, I'm noticing a trend at the top here lately. It's not, who's a good shot. It's who makes the least amount of mistakes. I mean, I think it was Corey that put up a score of a perfect 100 on the K cup, didn't he? Yeah, and I was I was rolling at a I was rolling at a hundred straight for the first I think five or six stations before I missed my first bird, and um, you know I was like okay I'll shoot a ninety nine and then you know three stations later I dropped a couple more and you know and then I ran the rest of the course out for ninety four and I was like oh that's a pretty good score and then I looked at the scores and I was like holy smokes <laughs> but that always the K cup, there's always somebody that gets in there with a 99 or a 98 or a hundred. I mean, it's, it's pretty standard. Um, you know, it's not a hard course, but it's not an easy course. It's easy. I make a mistake. Um, they always put it in, or I shouldn't say always, they usually put it in the same area and it's one of the more funner courses to shoot. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, well, one of the things me and Jason have been learning as we've been moving up through the ranks, you know, the, the, the higher you go in the classes, the stiffer the competition becomes. And it's not something like where you shot five birds or 10 birds better than your opponent. It's one bird, two birds, three birds. It basically separates the top five shooters in any class, even in our local tournaments. So, you know, that's, that's gotta be really tough at the level that you're shooting. Yeah. It, it, you know, being a competitor and a past guy that, you know, was either win or nothing for me for BMX and mountain bike racing and all that. So, you know, I, I come to love the winning portion, just getting, you know, getting on the podium, you know, top three winning, um, you know, but in this game, it, it's, it, it, it will humble you really quick. It's humbled me more than once. I know I've talked to Jason about this a few times where, you know, I probably quit more times than I wanted to in this sport, you know, just having conversations with myself. Yeah. We've, we've brought up the, uh, the conversation about, well, maybe we should take up fishing or badminton or something else. I mean, if you're having a bad well, day, you're having a bad expensive. day. I, I work in the fishing industry and bike industry with Shimano and fishing is Jesus. That's, I don't know if you want to go down that, that Avenue, spending the <laughs> month on that. but yeah, they'll break you. You know, like any other sport, you know, fishing and shooting, they always say, you know, how to make a million dollars is start with two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, Um, Chad, I got some questions for you here. But before we get into that, you recently picked up a sponsor with Blazer. Yeah. And uh, it's it. All my sponsors are absolutely wonderful. I wouldn't. They're they're good friends of mine. Um, I make sure I know everybody that works at every every place that sponsored me but um you know the blazer one really i think 
what helped me is I was on another podcast and, and I didn't have a sponsor at the time and I threw it out there and that I didn't. And, um, they came looking for me and wanted to talk to me at the nationals that year. So, um, you know, these kind of things that regardless of your level, I think just hearing what you have and what you do on, you know, you guys doing stuff like what you're doing with this podcast, getting the information out there is, is really helpful. So yeah, Blazers, um, one of my favorite sponsors I have. <laughs> so, so when you pick up your next sponsor because of this podcast, we can expect a gratuity check. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, the, the, the commission checks will start rolling in, right? All right, so, right. There you go. Uh, I'll roll. be That's waiting with bated breath. Right, yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chad, I'm getting ready to go down to the Florida state shoot. And okay. side is as excited as I am about that. I'm extremely nervous because I've never flown with a shotgun before. And, um, I don't know if you were able to hear what Sean was saying or not, you know, about his experience. Yeah, uh-huh. And I know you've had both good and bad experiences. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, first and foremost, when I first started shooting and uh, Zach and the boys got me out on the road to travel, um, first and foremost, I'm, I'm okay with traveling with firearms and I'm okay with traveling bikes. I've been all over the world with them and, I was nervous the first couple of times because my gun was lost when I first started. Um, it didn't show up until the weekend was over and a bar on a squad mates gun. And, you know, just, it was, it was pretty much a, a total crap show out there. And I, you know, it wasted a lot of money and wasn't at my best, but you know, I learned, you know, that you have to get around it. So it's, it's kind of like how I, um, when I was racing, um, I used to put my helmets and, and my all my gear in the bike box and ship it. Well, I've lost bikes too. And you show up at a race and you lose your bike, that's one thing. But if you lose your helmet, goggles, and gloves, and shoes, and all the things that make you be able to get on a bicycle, um, it really throws things off. So I've started I bet. You know, my my gun goes in one case, my glasses go, you know, and my shooting gear go in another case. Um which is my clothing gear. Um, and I make sure that I, I, you know, I can always function pretty much. I can find something out there with the, you know, most of these bigger events, you can demo guns, you can get a gun from a, 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 a another sponsor. Um, I know some people are super freaky about it, but they, and they bring two guns for backup, but if they're in the same box, it doesn't really matter because right. they're going to be lost. So, um, well, let's, I've had to, okay. Well, let's, I've, had to, I've had to go with the whole thing of it's a tool. So first and foremost, get insurance on your guns. <laughs> so, right. And so that will just cure the process of if you do get it lost and it is for sure gone, you'll get another one. Um, number two is separate your stuff. Um, put a gun in one case and, you know, your gear, um, your shooting glasses, the stuff that you can't function without in another case. Um, so that way you got a 50, 50 shot and, um, yeah, and just let it go. Whatever the, you know, I go so early to the airports now, um, just cause I don't mind it. I'm usually on my computer anyway and working. So, um, you know, if you have enough miles and you can be cool and you can go to one of the lounges, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, you, you just, you just, uh, I get there early and, <laughs> 
I heard what Sean was saying about going to every airport's different. Um, I've had, you know, I flew with uh, my girlfriend to the Nationals one year and we were coming back into Orange County, California. And the cop car was following our, our plane and everybody started freaking out. And actually it was from not the Nationals, it was from the last PSCA event of the year. And, um, you know, everybody was freaking out. I was like, oh God, somebody's going to get arrested on the you know, plane. Why are the cops falling? And I was like, that's airport security. They're probably getting my gun. And everybody was like, oh my God, he has a gun. <laughs> so, um, and they did, you know, in Orange County, the security guys, usually the airport police will pick up the gun and they call your name over this loudspeaker and you go over to the office, whoever you fly with, and you show an ID and you're good to go. But I've flown into Newark and Philadelphia and Atlanta and my guns show up out on the escalator. Well, and that's exactly what happened to me because I, I was yeah. assuming the experience was going to be like what yours was where a TSA agent or a security guard or something was going to escort my gun out, make me sign some paperwork or something. And I'm sitting in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Air, airport and waiting on my bags and there's nobody coming around. Then all of a sudden, boop, there's my case coming out on the conveyor belt with everybody yeah. else's luggage. I'm like, yeah. wow, anybody could have just grabbed that and took off with it, you know? Yeah. Consider if you ever fly into Philadelphia or Newark, um, they're literally the doors are right there and there's not really anybody watching. And I've had, I, it, you know, I was delayed getting off my plane for whatever reason. Once coming into Philadelphia, I was probably sitting in the back of the plane or whatever. We're going to the bathroom or getting a coffee and I get down there and my stuff has been running around that escalator for 20 minutes. Oh, and, wow. Um, boy, I tell you what, I've, I've lit up, lit up a few TSA agents because once they find out that it's a firearm, um, they hop to it and try to control the situation. Okay, so let me first off let's let's back up a minute. All right. Obviously, I I don't think, and I mean no discredit to them, but I don't think my Negrini case is going to be sufficient for travel. Uh, is it the plastic one? Yes. No. Okay. Not, so tell me, it will work, but I would not in a million years travel with that. Okay, so tell me what you do. How do you? I mean, you've you've done this. I mean, sometimes so on I, a weekend basis. When I was when I was told to do it, I this is a while ago. I was like, I'm gonna get me one of those Kalispell case lines. I saw a commercial on a gun hunting show, and it's like these things they run over them with tanks, and you know they're just crazy looking aluminum. You know, they just look awesomely built, and they're awesomely heavy. <laughs> um, they have, and they have no wheels and i carried my gun in that for a while and i'm like i don't really give a shit what happens to it because if it gets smashed it's just gonna get smashed and nothing's gonna break because this thing was a, a a tank however traveling with all the guys i was traveling with they're like dude you need to either get a tough pack or you need to get um a pelican or skb or uh, you know any one of these millions of cases that are out there um you know, as I as I traveled more and more, and I ran that case up until about two seasons ago, and people were still making fun of me. I was like, man, a big old rod down the side of it, you can't bust it open. It, it, it's just a tank. And um, I finally stepped into a, um, a, a Pelican. It was a 3100 Storm Series. It's shorter. Um, you break down the gun. It's, it's very minimal. I cut out the the foam in it made it look all cool so the barrel fits perfectly and the receiver fits perfectly and 
Um, I have a spare set of, you know, shooting glasses in that um, case. And then I carry another pair um, on me. And that case is waterproof. It floats. Not saying we'll ever go down in the water, but the gun won't die. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's waterproof. Um, it, it, it's smaller, has wheels. It can, you know, I tend to, you know, from my BMX world days, I don't need to be a baller when I travel. So I don't need a GMC Yukon. I usually buy the smallest or rent the smallest vehicles known to man, um, that I probably shouldn't be seen in them. (laughs) It's all about, it's all about being as cheap as possible when I, when I travel so I can go to more events. And, you know, I have a friend that I travel with, he has the, uh, a Pelican, but it's like the 1750 or 1850 series, which this thing is longer than most cars. And he puts everything in, he puts his clothes, his gun. He doesn't travel with anything except a backpack you know, and luckily he hasn't lost a gun yet, but that thing's hanging out every window we, we <laughs> usually renting. It's nice. like we're going down a freeway with a gun hanging out the side. So, um, you know, so yeah, I, 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 I went to a smaller, more compact, um, you know, I, I traveled, it has four positions for locks and, you know, coming out of Philadelphia, you know, um, they love to, you know, take your gun. They do things differently there where they take your gun with your keys, um, behind closed doors, you know, the laws say you're supposed to be in vision of them taking, opening up your gun case, but there they don't. Um, so you just have to go with it. Um, I don't argue with those guys when you get different rules at different airports. I just sit there for the 15 minutes and they come back and they say, you know, guns good to go. See you later. Here's your keys. You know, in the past, who knows if they were putting it in right because I didn't have it all cut out. So now, I, I, you know, I got the chalk line around the, you know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, a Mr. Potato Head. It's like you can't really mess up where the barrel goes and where right. the receiver goes. So, so you got I the try to make phone. it easy. Yeah, try to make it easier for those guys. So the guys that are looking at it or open up, they're like, oh, it looks good. It's it's very clean. I don't have a right. bunch of clothes. You know, I have a friend that tr- is. He just swears by the tough pack and he can shove, you know, his 15 bags in there and his drills and all this <laughs> stuff that he uses to clean his gun. But I've also had watched him, you know, be told to take everything out of that box at an airport. Oh, my God. Just so they could see that it was unloaded. So we've, so we've got the case nailed down. Okay, now here's mm-hmm. my next fear. Going down, it's a direct flight. Coming back, there's a layover in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be getting on a different plane. Now, I know, even though I haven't traveled with a gun, I know that they're not going to give me that gun in the airport, right? You can't walk around the airport with a gun. No. Nope. So how, do I, how am I assured that it's going to go from my plane to the next plane that I'm going on? You're not. <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence, Ted. Yeah, it's going to be on faith, man. <laughs> um, I, I will tell you this: two things you got to, and this is something that I I believe strongly in because I haven't had a problem since I've done this. Is number two, always keep your carry your baggage claim tickets because some airports require you to have them, some just require you to show a license, and some don't give a crap and they just go grab your stuff and walk out of the place. So. Um, always have them on you so you can track it when you get there. Okay. Number two, 
if you are doing layovers and you're buying tickets, always give yourself at least an hour and a half, hour to an hour and a half between your flights. Thank you you got to remember something, you guys. I'm, I'm from California. That's where I live. Everywhere I fly, I'm always getting on two planes. Yeah. The only time, even going to, uh, um, you know, down to Texas, unless I'm flying into Houston for a shoot there, I am always doing two planes. Always, always, always. To Florida, Georgia, East Coast. Um, I try to avoid certain airports just because of delays. Um, you know, I try not when I'm flying in the winter times, I try to stay more south through Houston, things like that. I try to stay away from Chicago. Um, but I have, I'm going through Denver and things like that. But the real deal is, is I make sure I give myself enough time to get to the other flight, but it also gives them enough time to move my luggage to the next flight. You know, everything to me is about, you know, (laughs) I'm competing and like, you know, Sean said, it's, you're competing for guys that, you know, were one, one, two targets make or break you. And for me, it's even more than that because I'm just trying to get in there and compete against these guys. Right. And I don't need the stress of, you know, my stuff's booked so far in advance. I got my car set up. I got everything printed out. I throw it in my bag. You know, everything's one thing at a time. And, it, you know, I got lots of time for layover. So I'm not rushing from running from plane to plane. I can just get off and stroll and get to where I need to go. And um, I just feel so much like it's not a, a huge deal. Right. Um, because of that, the guys that cram it in, like, oh, I'm going to fly in later in the afternoon to get there in the morning. I tend to fly super early in the morning. I mean, at the Nationals, we were at the airport. I think we left it. 3.30 or 4 to come home and, you know, our flight was at 6.30 or 6.45 and everybody was like, why would you do that? You just spent, you know, five, six days shooting you're probably worn out. Um, it did suck, but the cool thing about that is another thing, the reason why I tend to go earlier is if there is a problem with planes, if there is a delay, if there is weather, I got the whole day to get there. Right. Um, so I, I, I put a day in the end and I put a day in the beginning. Listen, I know you got some people you want to thank. Is anybody you want to mention while we got a minute? Well, first and foremost, thank to you guys for uh, stepping up to this. I know you talked to me about it a while ago and it, it's now live. It's pretty cool. Um, good luck with it. I hope it thank is you. what you, thank you want it to be. And uh, uh, I appreciate the support. Um, thanks to all my fans out there, you know, if it wasn't for them, I couldn't do what I could do. <laughs> um, no, uh, first and foremost, blazer shotguns, you know, in my opinion, pound for pound, um, dollar for dollar, the best shotguns on the market. Um, Atlas traps, Scott man speaker over at Atlas, just the best traps on the market. I know you have some of them. I, I oh, convinced yeah. you to get some and on the line, I would say, you know, Fioki ammunition, um, I've been with them. They were the first ammunition I ever shot in this game because when I got in the game, I saw Anthony shoot it, and that's what I started with. So I'm really stoked to be with them now. Um, hopefully, I'll end my career with them. Uh, from there, I'd go down to White Flyer Targets. They approached me last year and said, you know, would you like a sponsor? And I was like, wow, cool. okay. Um, I love White Flyer, especially in the Atlas Traps. You can put an international White Flyer target in them and shoot stuff like what the Euros do. Um, you can put my rabbits in there. You can do so many things with all the, with the combination of the two, um, kicks chokes, um, been with them pretty much from the start. 
you know, Qmax lubricants, love that stuff. Um, you know, they're gun, they're patented for what they do. They just got the military uh, contract, so they're they're doing well. Um, I got a couple others out there. Um, you know, I just picked up RE Ranger. Um, I had a long time sponsorship with Oakley, and um, that ended on a really good note. They were great to me, but uh, RE Ranger was a company that when I approached them and it was kind of a mutual approaching. Um, but, uh, I just feel that they understand what we like to do. It's not about, you know, they're not a gazillion dollars to purchase. They make a lot of options and I can, I've seen things <laughs> on targets that I haven't seen before in quite, it's quite cool. To mine have mine just came in yesterday, Chad. And what do you think so far? Well, I haven't had a chance to shoot with them yet. Um, for everybody listening, I got a pair of RE Ranger Edge, um, and they're prescription glasses, so I had to have mm-hmm. the lenses made. They um, they made them with the Zeiss lenses. Um, I got two different color lenses, um, but uh, I haven't had a chance to shoot with them. I know I put them on while it was still daylight right after I got home from work and walked around outside, and I was blown away. Actually, we're going to have the eye doctor on that helped me with cool. those rangers in a, in a future episode so he's he's anxious to come on and talk to us about that so we're going to cover that a little bit he's a he's in a ranger dealer so um you're definitely gonna have to tune into that one chad for sure and then uh, last and uh, i got two others is greenwood custom stocks i think jim greenwood is just a magician with stocks i think and then last but not least is my personal company bpsi which is breakpoint shooting instruction they i don't dangle carrots i want to i want to make shooters better than me um i just had one of my students kick my butt a couple weeks ago here locally so um you know when you look at a scoreboard and you see so many of your students do well or people you've talked to or you know you've given advice to or you know or people have given you advice and you see how well they do it's 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 really cool it makes what i do the reason why i keep you know every time i want to Every time I want to quit, that's what comes into my mind, and then I come back to it. Right. Nice. Well, Chad, I know you and I have talked a hundred times about you coming over here and hanging out with us. um, Yes, sir. You know, and and maybe doing some coaching or some clinics while you're in town. I'll tell you what, we would love to have you come sit in studio with us for an episode. And um, we'll call some people up and poke some fun and then try to get some good information out to people. I have uh, their phone numbers, so just so you know, (laughs) the thing to this, I have all your phone numbers and I know all the secrets. The cool thing about podcasts, and I'll say this live because this is the whole point behind podcasts. Everybody wants to know what we do on tour. And, you know, you can watch some of Nick Barry's videos and you can kind of see it from a shooting perspective. But what people don't see is what we do when we're not shooting when we go to these tournaments. And I think where you're coming from, you know, like how to travel. And that's yeah. a huge deal. You know, that you don't realize how much of a pain in the butt it can be or stressful that it can be until you do it. And do it eight, nine, ten times a year. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, until you can do that. I mean, I just traveled with my girlfriend and she brought half the house with us when we flew <laughs> down to Texas. And I'm like, why'd you do it? She goes, I'm not a traveler. And she used like very little of her clothes. And, you know, and that's what happens when you, I remember when I first started shooting, I was bringing everything with me. I, I had all these cleaning materials and boar snakes and spare triggers and spare this. And, you know, hell, I'd probably bring spare barrels if I could have fit them in everything. 
Um, and I realized that when you go to these big shoots, they, I mean, there's so many good vendors at these big shoots right. that will help you get through the weekend, whether it's you broke a stock or you cracked a stock and you need to get fixed or you need, you need to fix that spring in a Parazzi or a spring in a DT 11 trigger. You know, you know, there's, there's things you can do to help yourself, but there's, there's always people there to help you. And what right. I found is, especially as you get to know people, there's a million shooters out there that'll help you too. Like, dude, I've had that problem. Let me help you, you know, and yeah. everybody's willing to help each other. It's so it's, it's, well, and that's, that, what, that's what we're all about. You know, we, we yeah. want to get more people brought into the game. We want them to go enjoy it instead of shooting around or playing a round of golf. How about come out and shoot a shotgun at some cool targets, Absolutely. you know? And, and then yeah. if we can get those guys to take the, the leap of faith and maybe try some competition, that's where the real fun's at. And that's, those are the and, people we want to help. So, and that's the thing is like, what I was saying is like, you know, where I've learned the most on the tour from doing what I've done is, yeah, I've got a lot of experience. I've shot a lot of tournaments. I've been doing it for a long time, but really what it comes down to is, you know, I was fortunate enough to hang out with the best people in the game. Um, but when you're sitting in a hotel with them or you're sitting in a hotel lobby with these different shooters and you're listening to what they have to say, you can learn more from that been taking a lesson sometimes from other shooters yep. you know um not everybody wants to hear you know about david radulovich shooting a 199 out of 200 i mean that's a great <laughs> accomplishment we oh, love absolutely. david i'd like to take his gun and beat him with it when he does <laughs> it, you know? but um in reality um what about that night shoot that just happened in your area oh you know, yeah we like, uh we covered that you know i mean social media is starting to get give you that a feel but what about what what about that event? What, okay, it was cool, great targets, cool thing, cool setters. But what went on? You know, what's it like to shoot at night? Well, there's, I think I think you're going to be that, I think you're going to you know? be pleasantly surprised. We were we were able to interview everybody from a couple masterclass guys, um, and all the way down to guys that have never shot a registered tournament before. That was their first shoot, and we got, we got them before and after. Yep. And, uh, in fact, we even got Dalton Oliver. I'm sure you know who that is. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we were able to catch up with him before and after. And that was it was very interesting to hear what they had to say. We got some really good interviews. So you're definitely going to have to tune into this one. I don't know how much you like For hearing sure. yourself talk. Well, but... I, think, I think when you give the ability to, um, you know, top pros to be able to be touched or, you know, you can stand by one and talk to them. Um, unlike other pro sports, we, we always say this and anytime we're interviewed is, is that's what happens. And, and, um, you know, it's like, Hey, we can, you know, we can go shoot with a top pro. I mean, you could be on my squad. Um, and that's a, that's a really big deal. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a thing that can, that can make it good for all of us. Right. And, um, I think that's a, that's a important thing, you know, moving forward is, and I think you guys with what you're doing is going to hit it on the head, you know, um, coming from a complete different angle. Like well, and that's another reason we're, we're doing this because I can say, honestly, I've met so many good people in this sport. I mean, it just surprised me, you know, most competition, uh, or sports that are competitive, a lot of people stick to themselves. A lot of people are very, you know, closed mouth. They don't want to share their secrets. I mean, you know, look at the fishing world. Look at the, a lot of things. Oh, yeah. In this sport, I have literally gone up to, uh, you know, dozens of people, made friendships that I never would have made before, had them help me or offer me advice while I was shooting or, you know, before or after. 
and and they're you know just genuinely wanting to help you. So I'm, I've always been blown away by the the overall general feeling of just kindness and respect and helpfulness that everybody else. I people. can't and never have met anybody like this. And you know I've done some different sports over my life. If I can bring part of what I do to the masses in any form or way, whether it's through a podcast or through my personal social media, it's only betterment for our sport. I mean, we always ask, what can we do to give back? This is the give back part. You know, you guys out there that I have phone numbers on, we will be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, we would love to have you come sit down with us and, uh, we'll, we'll plan on it. Cause I want to teach out there. I want to shoot with you guys and have yeah, some fun. Absolutely. Now we'll, uh, we'll dial up the phone and get some low hanging fruit and we'll have some fun with it. But Chad, we got to get on. We've got another guest that's been down to blackjack and I want to talk to him for just a few minutes. So all right, we're going to hop on here, but greatly appreciate your time. Appreciate the information. Problem, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Chad. We appreciate it. Thanks, right. Chad. Thanks guys. All right. All right. See ya. All right, Mark, I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that. Jason's bumping electrical plugs over here. Technical difficulty here. I'm like a bull in a china shop. So, Malcolm, you've been to Blackjack Sporting Clays before. Uh, yes, we've, uh, we've been going since they started. They, they're open probably three years ago, and uh, we really enjoy it down there. Uh, a family owned it, and it was kind of like their private hunting club. There's, well over 2,000 acres there, and uh, they actually mined dolomite and lime rock, so they've got all kinds of terrain. They've got lakes and ravines and shoot below your feet, shoot above your head. I mean, they just, it's a really, really pretty piece of property, and uh, all the cart paths are paved with asphalt, wow. covered shooting stations on every on every stand. Uh, three separate courses. Uh, they've got one of the prettiest five stands I've ever seen. It's elevated, and they surrounded a gigantic, uh, probably a 200-year-old oak tree when they built the five stand around it. So everybody sets up there in the shade and watches everybody shoot uh, wow. five stand. That'd be awesome. They're gonna have a yeah. They're gonna have a five thousand dollar make or break shoot off on Saturday night uh, after the main on Saturday. And if you hadn't ever been, you need to come do yourself a favor because they, it's right next to the villages. They've got a lot of nice restaurants and hotels. You're only 25 miles from Ocala, $73,000 in payouts this year. Wow. Guaranteed 200 target main, 5,000 HOA, 3,000 runner up paying six deep, 1,200 to 1,000 right on back down six deep, three prelims. Uh, FETAS hunter bird, super sportings, a hundred bird, five stand sub gauge. Uh, it's going to be probably one of the nicest Florida state shoots that, that they've had in Florida. That's going to draw a lot of shooters. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm signed up and I can't wait. I am, I am just super, super excited. So from a competitor standpoint and somebody that's never been there now, I know you can't tell me how they're setting targets, but can you give me an idea? You know, for example, Northbrook's known for throwing big, big targets. Um, is it going to be that kind of a background, that kind of an atmosphere, or do you think it'll be a little bit of everything? I think it'll be some of all. Uh, they've got Mike Luongo coming in, Doug Vines coming in. Uh, Doug will set all the FETAS stuff, and it will be every bit as hard as Northbrook. Uh, uh-huh. The main event – 
I don't know if it'll be as hard as Northbrook, but the targets will be just as challenging. They've got some good background to, to work with uh, below your feet uh, in, in, in the woods, open, uh, out in some open meadows so they can really throw some long targets. Uh, they'll do a great job. You won't be disappointed, I can promise you. Wow, now, Malcolm, awesome. for, for first-time shooters that are going down there or people that have never been at this event, uh, is there going to be some vendors there, any kind of uh, things we need to be looking out for? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I think it's Saturday night. They're giving a uh, Craigoff, uh, DuPont Craigoff is giving away a, a parkours. They're giving away a golf cart. So they've been working on vendors for two years trying to get everybody secured for this. Now, I don't know what COVID will do to it. But uh, I think right now they're just under 500 shooters so far. But uh, there should be plenty of plenty of vendors there. And Dale's trying to do the very best he can for the shooters. That's and awesome. That's why he's got all these these paybacks this year. Uh, the Sumter County Tourism De- Development Authority is uh, helping and pushing it. You know, trying to develop that area of Florida along with the the villages there. So they have league shoots there, and uh, it's just really went over very well in that part of Florida. Well, yeah, and to our experience, I mean, this whole year with the COVID thing has been a kind of a crapshoot, depending on which tournament you go to where. I mean, really, right. really limited. I mean, some places don't have any food at all that they serve, and when they're where they used to serve lunches or dinners. Uh, a lot of them would have raffles and prizes and vendors and stuff, and it's really been kind of stripped down to the bare bones. You basically show up, you shoot, and you go home, and that's about the end of it. I don't, I don't think that'll be a case at Blackjack. Uh, every time we've been, they provide a very good meal, and they've got plenty of places to sit un, under shelters and seating, and uh, they'll do a good job down there. Got it. Awesome. Well, I've already got a place lined out, Malcolm, but if somebody else is thinking about traveling down to this event, is there is there close by hotels or is there close amenities? Uh it's not far. The uh where the villages are, I mean that's like a large city and that's probably twelve miles from uh where actually where the club is. And then Ocala is a major city and it's only twenty five miles and you know, you've got your bonefish grills. Uh, all those big restaurants are in Ocala. So gotcha. yeah, awesome. yeah, it'll be no problem. Well, why we got you on the phone, Malcolm, I kind of wanted to catch up with you a little bit. How'd the nationals go for you? Really? Well, uh, I wound up winning the fee task and super vet and, uh, wound up third in the main and super vet. You know, I'm trying to secure my position on team USA again this year. And uh, since we didn't get to go to EJ Churchill, we're supposed to flip it over and go again next year. But it, it was good. It was a great shoot. I think there was like 1,700 people there, a little bit off from the normal 2,000. But everything went really good. The weather was great the whole week. And uh, if you hadn't ever been, do yourself a favor. Everybody needs to go to the Nationals. Put it on, put it on your bucket list. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, definitely on my bucket list. That's That's for sure. Well, Malcolm, listen, the basis of our podcast, we're trying to get new people into shooting and then and then get those people to take the leap of faith and try some competition shooting. You've been around this sport for a while, and you've been very successful at it. If you had a guy that came up to you or was asking questions about it, what would you tell him for getting started? Well, I started in 1997, and a guy moved here and, and – 
put in a clays course and a, and a five stand. And I grew up quail hunting and shot a little bit of skeet, but not much. But uh, I, I fell in love with it immediately. It's an individual sport. So you can do it by yourself or you can take your child, your wife. My wife shoots with me every weekend. And it's something we really love doing. I've been doing it 23 years now. And uh, I would just tell them to go ahead and join the NSCA and start, you know, in, in the, the D class or E class, wherever they put you now, because you have a wealth of information, you know, and you just go out there and you sign up and, and one day you might get to shoot with Bill McGuire or you might get to shoot with Zach Kienbaum, you know, and, and just to, to shoot with the people that you see in the magazines, it's a special deal. But you can also learn so much by just sitting back and watching because, you know, those guys have put in years and years and years of practice to get where they are. Absolutely. And uh, when I started, I, I bought Bill McGuire's video and George Digweed's video and Dan Carlisle's video. You know, and I took a little bit of something from each one of them and I kind of applied to the way that I wanted to shoot. And uh it's just a great hobby. I've done a lot of things in my life. I've raced cars, flew airplanes, but I always go back to the shotgun. It's just the camaraderie, the people that you meet, just like a big fraternity. We travel all over the United States shooting, and we see our same friends everywhere we go. And and I've got no better friends than the ones that I've made shooting a shotgun. Yeah, That's I was making sure. a, a similar point with uh, Chad Roberts, who was on just shortly uh, ago and said, man, there's just been so many wonderful, nice, kind-hearted people and helpful people that we've met That's in right. the sport. And we've got a really That's great right. circle of people that we shoot with all the time. And, and I don't think there's anything else you can do uh, or any other sport I could think of where it's such a, a close knit, um, you know, community right. when everybody's just trying to help each other out and help, help everybody get better. Well, you know, and, and everybody will help you, you know, when you're getting started, uh, there, I don't know of a single person out there that, that wouldn't be rooting for you and pulling for you and giving free advice, you know, if you ask for it. And that's the way we do. You know, when we're in a group, nobody says anything unless they turn around, they got a problem, then we'll interject. You know, if I can see what you're doing wrong, I, I certainly don't mind helping, you know, because right. everybody likes to break targets. You know, everybody likes to hear, man, that was a great shot. Keep digging. You know, you're getting good at this. Yep, right. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a great game. Uh, don't well, continue to do it as long as I can see. Yeah, yeah, us too. I mean, we've been hooked since we got started back in 2017 shooting registered targets, and I, I, I can foresee doing this for years and years and years. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Until I can no longer pick up a shotgun, that's that's how long I'm going to do it for. There you go. That's right. <laughs> well, Malcolm, it's been awesome to have you on here. We appreciate all your, your time and info. I mean, uh, you've definitely had a, a storied career. I mean, you've been uh, 15-time All-American. Uh, you were captain, captain of the 2020 Team USA Super Vets, and, of course, you won the, the 2020 uh, National Super Vet V-Task Champion. And, also a Georgia State Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, so you've got quite the, the storied list there of accomplishments. Um, you got anybody you want to thank or give a shout-out to any of your sponsors? Yeah, I'd like to thank Kohler Arms. Uh, John Ramagli and I got together. I won the Georgia State Championship in 1999, and, and I was shooting at Browning. You know, but I knew at that time I was going to be doing this for a lifetime. And uh, John was gracious enough to help me out with the Kohler back then. 
and that was 21 years ago and believe it or not i'm still shooting the same gun now okay. when they came out when they came out with the max light uh melanie and i flew up there and and he built us new barrels and new stocks for our receivers and uh but they just you know it's i'm an all-american guy i love american shells i love american shotguns i love american hot rods and that's just to me there's just not a better shotgun on the market than a Kohler. service after the sale uh, sean mainland and jeff mainland have kind of taken the reins at Kohler now and uh they're going to do a great job with it they're good people they're very good people yeah do you ever need any help with a shotgun give them a call you by the way mr malcolm you'd be proud of me i traded my high rib and i got a new max light oh good i'm proud of you that's awesome (laughs) you'll uh you'll enjoy that gun for many many years and you can leave it to your children when you when you quit that's what i'm gonna do i I tell you what though it was hard i mean you know i had a cooler before a high rib and it was that's it's kind of like your sword you go into battle with you know i I had a hard time parting with that gun but man i put that new one in my hands and I just looked at my old gun like, wow, what a piece of crap you are. But the truth of it is, is, is you know, for the for the right individual that buys that gun that I had, it's going to last him forever. That's right. You'll never wear it out. Everything that wears on those guns is replaceable. So, you know, you just do your annual service on it every year. And, and you know, I put 30,000, 40,000 rounds a year through mine, half, half for 21 years. And, I mean, I've shot nitros and super sports my whole career, but, this past year i've kind of backed up a little bit i'm having some neck issues at 66 so i went to the 1235 nitro instead of the 1300 but the gun just keeps it takes a pound and just keeps on going it's the strongest built gun out there that's awesome you got anybody well, else thanks again thank y'all for having me i've enjoyed it and it's uh, been a pleasure I wish you well wish you well with your podcast and man can't wait to get to florida there's no better place to be in florida uh, in December, January, February, we do the Florida swing down there every year, the Gator Cup, the Florida Challenge, the Caribbean Cup, and if y'all get a chance, come to Florida in February. It's it's the nicest place to be in America. Yeah, uh, I think uh, that's that's Vero Beach in February, correct? It it is. That's right. Yeah, I would definitely love to go down to that one. Well, I tell you what, I will catch up with you down there at the Florida State, and I definitely want to say hi to you and Miss Melanie, and uh, we appreciate your time, Malcolm. We really do. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, look, looking forward to it, Sean. Nice to meet you. All right, nice to meet you, too. You have a wonderful evening. All right, see you. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Thanks, Malcolm. All right, well, that's been awesome talking to Malcolm Parker and Chad Roberts. Had some great information. Uh, really looking forward to it. Hopefully, they've given you some helpful advice and tips to, to for your traveling down to Florida and the, and the shoot down there at, uh, at Blackjack. Yeah, for sure. Chad gave me some things I'm going to, you know, look for and plan for. Um, Mr. Malcolm, he, man, him and his wife, Melanie, are such good people, such nice people. It's it's always a pleasure talking to them and looking forward to seeing them down at the shoot um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you're going to have a wonderful time. Definitely going to – the weather's going to be definitely better down there than up here. And uh, and hopefully you won't have any bad experiences like I did the first time I traveled <laughs> with my gun. Yeah, I, it's, man, it's a scary thing. It really is. You know, I mean, you're you're packing a twelve thousand dollar gun into a case and hoping handing, for the best. <laughs> you're handing it to some person you don't know, and you hope it's where you're going to land nine hundred miles from where you're taking off. Absolutely. Well, so. I think everything should go well for you. I'm, I'm going to be wishing and pulling here on my end for you. I will say that I did buy a case. 
Okay. And we're going to do a little review, if you will, Sean. Um, the, the company that I bought it from has no idea who I am or why I bought it or what's going on, but the company is called Cedar Mill and they are, their biggest competitor is actually Pelican. Okay. So I got the case. Um, it came probably three, maybe four days after I ordered it, you know, standard shipping. The price point was right on. It was actually a little less than a Pelican. The case so far seems unbelievably sturdy. Um, kind of mimics the look of a Pelican. It's got wheels on it. It's a takedown case. Mm-hmm. Um, came with uh, three layers of pluck foam, um, and I kind of just cut it out myself. Um, and some people take and have it laser cut, but I did it myself. It, it seems really sturdy. It really holds my gun in place, so I'm anxious to see how this works, and maybe we'll do a little wrap-up on it when I get back. Yeah, I'd like to take a look at it because uh, I'm traveling with my factory Beretta case for my DT-11, and it's a great case. It's it's airline-approved and everything, but the one thing about it, it's got a big Beretta logo on the side of it, so anybody that looks at it realizes, hey, there's a gun in there. So <laughs> I think I might be looking for something a little more discreet on, a, on any of my future travels. What I'll do is when we do the follow-up on this on the next episode and I you know, do a little review on them, I'll actually have the exact model number, and um, I'll see if I can't find their website and let people know so if they want to check them out. But Well, I think we've had a wonderful episode here talking to those guys and learning a little bit about traveling with our shotguns. Uh, in store for us, man. We got so much stuff in the in the works. We're going to be uh, trying to cover all the basics. I mean, we're going to talk uh, a lot of different topics. We're going to talk about etiquette on the course. Um, you know what you need to do while you're at a tournament. We're going to talk about shotgun shells. We're going to talk about um, you know the different targets. I mean, just everything that somebody would want to learn about sporting clays. That's all coming up in future podcasts. All right. Well, Sean, are you going to go up and shoot T four? Uh, I'm still on the fence about it. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and you know, usually I've got a million and one things going on with the family and wrapping up work, trying to get away for a nice four day weekend. Um, right now I'm fifty fifty, so I'm going to see what the weather's going to look like, see what my work schedule looks like here in two weeks, and if possible, I'll, I'll see if I can make the trip. Cool. Well, everybody stay safe. Go out Go out to your local range. Get out and shoot some. Enjoy it. It's a wonderful sport. Um, it's probably, well, no, statistically, it is the safest sport in the world right now. So go out and enjoy it. Take your wife. Take your kids. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, get with the local gun range and ask them to take you out and show you the ropes. Yeah, absolutely. And we look forward to you guys joining us again on a future episode of The Dead Pair.